0: This is Straight Outta Vegas.
1: Straight of Vegas!
0: With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto.
1: Well, I've said many times before, sports, they are the greatest reality show invented. And you can script everything but the outcome that's why this time of year is so much fun you don't believe me look what happened today with USA basketball and Conor McGregor and and that's not all on that note welcome back to another award-winning edition of straight out of Vegas the weekend adaptation I'm Bernie Frano we're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios tonight we're going to analyze and dissect the nba finals as the teams head to milwaukee with the series now standing at 2-0 phoenix plus i'm going to take a look at what i think is a major issue the books or the bucks excuse me have uh, have going forward well nevada had another huge month in the sports book as did the nation and it's been 3 years now since the overturning of paspa and i want to give a quick update on legalized sports betting and why things are going so well, and the future is incredibly bright, and what, what transpired to make all this happen. And after Kevin Figures' update, we'll talk about the latest stories swirling around Las Vegas, plus catch you up on some NFL scheduling quirks as training camps, well, they're just around the corner. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports to stretch your mind and give you the kind of data you only find on this show. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. This is Straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. As they say in Nelson Cruz, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right. Now, last Sunday night, I was on with Aaron Torres, and we did a pretty thorough analysis and breakdown of the NBA Finals. And I believed that, and at that point, we didn't know if Giannis was going to play or not, but I believed that the Phoenix Suns would win this in six games. And these are my thoughts. Uh, At the time, first of all, Chris Paul, he's having a renaissance. He's a leader. He's a mentor. He's been the go-to. He's been the safety valve. He's been Mr. Clutch. He's, he wasn't going to back down from anybody. He's waited half a lifetime to get to this point. This is year 16 for Chris Paul in the league, and he had to make a ton of sacrifices to get where he is now, and he was not going to let this slip through his fingers. Secondly, DeAndre Ayton has proven to be an incredible alpha dog X factor. He's not only morphed into an offensive force and a double-double machine. By the way, Heading into the finals in the first 16 games of his career, Aiton was averaging 16 points, 12 rebounds, one block, shooting 71% from the floor. And I knew he was going to give Clint Capella and Burke Lopez fits. They were going to have their work cut out. He's done exactly that. I think he had one game, 20 points, 19 rebounds. Phoenix heading into this series simply looked like the most complete team. They looked healthy. They've been the most consistent on both sides of the floor. And, you know, look, you can, you know, make excuses that there, maybe there are injuries and such. They took down the Lakers and the Clippers. Okay? What about Chris Paul? He was injured too. And didn't he miss the first two games versus the Clippers? And, and they won them both. Of course, that was a COVID situation. But against the Lakers, he had the shoulder injury and he played with one arm. Sum it all up, Phoenix just looked to me like a team with incredible physical attitude and demeanor. They combine intensity, but they're also calm. There's, there's no awareness of anxiety or tightness from this team. And in the postseason, uh, you know, they've really owned the moment and they look poised to win in six, my opinion. By the way, in the first two games, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, they've done nothing to disprove the greatness that is about to be bestowed upon them. They've combined to score 113 points in the first two games and not for nothing. Uh, that's the most by a starting backcourt in the NBA Finals in history. Not bad, especially since they're making their debut. If you start to dissect this team, you see why the Suns are that good. Uh, and by the way, teams that lead the NBA Finals two and they finish the uh, they finish the job typically eighty nine percent of the time. Thirty one and four. Matter of fact, only twice since nineteen seventy seven had have NBA teams down to zip come back to win uh, the NBA title. I'm having a hard time believing it's going to happen this year. Although you look to Milwaukee tomorrow and as a four and a half point favorite uh, and 60% of the tickets coming in Milwaukee, you think they'd be good for an emotional win tomorrow, but they're going to have to earn it. Phoenix has the best road record of any team in the NBA in 2021. They were 24 and 12 on the road and they're six and two, on the road in the playoffs, so and they're getting four and a half points. Uh, look, I the Bucks have given a good effort. They've been competitive. The Suns, they're just better. They're the Bucks are getting worked, uh, and in the NBA Finals game two, Not for nothing, Phoenix they shot twenty of forty from behind the three-point arc. So when you add it all up, they're hitting on all cylinders. But there's one possession that I saw that completely symbolized the Suns and their floor excellence, not just in the NBA Finals, not just during the playoffs, but the last seven weeks of the season. And even, I suppose you could say, before they had Chris Paul, when they went, I think, 8 no oh, in the bubble last year, even though they didn't make the playoffs. There was one possession that symbolized the Bucks, or Check that, symbolized the Suns, and what I consider to be incredible excellence, on the Suns, and I bet you really remember. I really do because it stood out so much. And one of the announcers, I might have been Jeff Van he said Norman Dale would have been proud. Well, of course, Norman Dale was the coach uh, played by Gene Hackman in the movie Hoosiers, when he demanded that his team make at least three passes. Well, the Suns made ten on the Suns' final possession of the first half in Game Two. Well, give it up, Milwaukee's rotations and recoveries—they they were adequate, and they were actually effective for the first nine passes. The last the last pass, the ninth pass, Chris Middleton actually deflected right back into Jay Crowder's hands. But the Suns finally gained an advantage on the next pass, which ended up being what you call a hockey assist after Mikkel Bridges flashed to the elbow to catch the ball and quickly redirected it to DeAndre Ayton, who was cut into the basket. Ayton then muscled over a late-arriving P.J. Tucker for the layup, and it was an and-one. And all that effort by the Bucks, which was a good defensive effort, ended in an and-one for the Suns. That singular possession to me sort of capsulized the issues here in terms of these two teams playing against each other. Not only that, Phoenix wins the three-point battle 16-11 to in Game 1, but they're still losing the game. The Bucks, well, they fall... Short from range on Thursday night, the Suns outscored the Bucks by 33 points from behind the arc, finishing 20 of 40. The Bucks just 9 of 31. And the 23-pointers that the Suns had for Game 2 were tied for second most in NBA Finals history. Now, in this man's NBA circuit 2021, teams are 735 and 348. That's a 7 710 winning percentage, including the playoffs, when your team hits more three pointers than its opponent. Marinate that for just a second because the Suns can hit three pointers and the Bucks can't. Perhaps that's a reason why the Suns also this season a seven forty one winning percentage against teams who finished above five hundred. Now to add insult to injury, the Bucks are struggling from the free throw line too. Giannis was only eleven of eighteen from the free throw line in game two for 61%, but the entire team was only 15-23 to 23 for 65%. Meanwhile, again, juxtapose that against the fact that the Suns are the greatest NBA postseason free-throw shooting team of all time. Now, do I think this is going to be a sweep? No. Could it be a gentleman's sweep? Could be. I have to see what's going to happen tomorrow night. But I can't tell you that I have a lot of faith in the Bucks. One of the things that really sticks out in my mind is watching Giannis on offense. Yes, I realize he got 42 points the other night. Those were 42 of the emptiest points I've ever seen in a basketball game because Giannis gets the ball at the top of the key. Here we go. We're going to play Giannis ball. We're going to play hero ball. We're going to play bully ball. Everybody just clear out, get out of the way. I'm coming downhill toward the rim. Everybody just stand around, watch me. I'll dribble into a triple team, knock them over like bowling pins, go to the line after drawing contact, and make some of my free throws 61% of the time. Now, that translates to a 10-point loss because when Milwaukee plays that type of offense, the Suns don't have to help on D. There's no ball movement. When there's no ball movement in, in the NBA and you try to play one man against five, it's not gonna work, especially against a team like the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are good. They're damn good. And Bianus' game bothers me. I, I I'm telling you, people say, Oh, you played great. So what? This is not a recipe for victory. And you know, a few months ago on this show, I I blurted it out. I basically said, I'm starting to think the Greek freak is overrated. I get it he won some MVP awards and their regular season awards. But maybe the postseason should factor in the playoffs because if if that's the case, now at least Giannis has got his team into the finals. I give him top credit, right? But Milwaukee, they fell to Kawhi and the Raptors in 2019, and, and last year they only won one game versus the Heat in the bubble. So I don't, you know, unless you're watching the movie Meet the Fockers and you're looking for that, you know, third place, ninth place ribbon, uh, this bores me. And Giannis can't shoot threes. I don't know why he attempts threes. He can't make free throws. And yes, I get it. Okay, I get it. Relax. Don't drive off the road. Don't start firing after me, and you know, on Twitter, you can if you want to. But I, I get it. He's a, he's spectacular. He's really sort of this otherworldly run and jump athlete. And he's a good dude. He works hard. Uh, he's just not a crowd pleaser, closer finisher. I don't know. I I I. I think for this year in Milwaukee, if they don't win it this year and then the odds are heavily against them, uh, I think the door starts to shut. But I get it. Giannis is fun to watch from the standpoint he is an incredible run-and-jump athlete. Looks like he's from another planet. you know. But so what? Birds can fly, too. They can't play basketball. Watching Giannis is like watching Groundhog Day, only without Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. He takes one dribble after he passes half court, Flash through the air and dunks it. You know, then you get to a point where teams will just sag on Giannis and force him to take jumpers, and I get it. Giannis worked on his jumper last year, and if you look at his field goal percentage the last three years, it's actually gone up from 55% to 64%. But I think that's frankly very misleading. It's what I call a Yogi Berra stat, which is a misleading stat. You've probably heard my Yogi Berra story. He once went four for four. Against the Red Sox, next day picks up the newspaper, and the sports editor, uh, the sports section of the New York Times had him at three for four. He gets mad calls, the sports editor and said, What are you doing, man? I went four for four. He said, Relax, Yogi. It was a typographical error. He said, What do you mean? It was a clean single up the middle. Yogi Berra stat. That's what Giannis' stats are. And here's why I think it's misleading And the fact that his field goal percentage has increased. Because there's a good chance he's just converting on more dunks and shots from inside the paint. And if you look at his three-point percentage, it's fluctuated. And Giannis has only shot 30% from the floor two times in his career, 2017 and 2019. Look, this season, he's 76% from five feet or less. So when he's near the rim, that includes dunks and everything else. He's about 33% from five to nine feet. But then you get out 10 to 14 feet, that's not even a free throw. He's 24%, and then from 15 feet plus, he's 30%. Milwaukee, you got a problem. Because with that offense, I mean, where am I going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. I don't think Giannis really scares opposing teams. All you've got to do, by the way, the Bucks played two great games against Phoenix earlier in the year. They split. They were high-scoring games. I think each team won by one. But, if you look back at the Bucks' loss against Phoenix in the regular season in February, it was a game in which Giannis, Giannis exploded for 47 points, but it was not enough as the Bucks lost 125-124. Now That particular night, Giannis was 15-23 from the field, including 0-4 from behind the arc. But here's the kicker. Giannis had the ball in his hands at the end of the game, and he decided to settle – for an eighteen foot jump shot instead of driving it to the hoop. A bucket would have won it for them. In fact, and you can find this, it's out there in the ether. During the post game press conference, a reporter asked Devin Booker what he thought when he saw Giannis settling for a two range point or a long range two point jumper with two seconds left. What were you thinking? the reporter asked Devin Booker. Booker sat there and contemplated for a minute. He said, I was thinking, we're in good shape. True story. February 10th. Look it up. So Phoenix, they are what I thought they were. Tough, resilient, led by a guy named Chris Paul who's not going to back down. DeAndre Ayton, who's an alpha dog X-factor, who's coming of age right before our eyes. A team that's a complete team, healthy, consistent on both sides of the floor. And how could I forget? extremely well-coached. Monte Williams has done a sensational job, and he's a sentimental favorite to win a championship. A team with a physical attitude and a great demeanor. The Suns are intense, but they never panic. They're just really good, and the numbers bear it out. Remember, they're 6-2 and two on the road in the playoffs, 24-12 and 12 on the road this year during the regular season, both record-setting seasons in the history of the NBA. Tomorrow night, 5 o'clock, and by the way, I'll be on the air tomorrow night, 5 to 8 with Katina Mobley during the game. We'll chop it up. We'll get his perspective as well, and we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Be curious to see the first five minutes of both halves, but I will tell you, Milwaukee has got to bring their A game or they're going to have a problem because the offense I'm seeing out of Milwaukee and the complete sort of game plan I'm seeing out of Phoenix, we're seeing two teams at totally different levels. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Coming up, you want to know why the gambling craze has gone bananas? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Outta Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Frado, folks! Fox Sports Radio
0: has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxsportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Or wherever you get your podcast.
1: We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live for the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Remember, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. By the way, quick side note my book, the View from the chief Seats is now in wide release, has been since Monday. You can easily click on Amazon, get yourself a copy. It rose to 14 in sports shorts uh, reads, and baseball history number 23 out of a potential 6,000 titles, getting a lot of good feedback. If you like funny stories involving some of the most famous sports people you've known over the years, you'll really like this book. It's an easy read. All right, there is... Always so much to talk about with respect to wagering. We've got the NBA playoffs in full swing. We've got the uh, NHL finals that just ended. We've got baseball. We've got uh, the All-Star Game Tuesday. You had the the, uh, Conor McGregor fight tonight. You got the All-Star Game Tuesday, which I just said. That's the Department of Redundancy Department. You can also bet the Home Run Derby. You can even bet the uh, American Century Championship Golf Tournament. It's endless, but, and and not just in Las Vegas. Currently, 27 states have legalized betting. You know, before I – there's a reason this has happened. And before my show every Saturday, I jump on with Arnie Spanier and Aaron Torson tonight with Chris Plank uh, to give a quick insider's view on the world of sports betting from a Las Vegas perspective. Well, the reality is, is that many of these stories, like the ones about Mattress Mac and, and – you know, betting the UFC. They're taking place all around the nation. Here's how it got started for real. On May fourteenth, twenty eighteen, the US Supreme Court ruling in favor of New Jersey and effectively killed a PASPA, you've heard the term PASPA. It stands for Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of nineteen ninety two. It was a federal law that essentially limited sports betting to only one state and it was signed into legislation by George Bush in 1992. Passport was declared unconstitutional in a 6-3 decision on May 14, 2018, meaning it would be up to individual states, including New Jersey, which they carried the freight in a lot of this. They sought to establish sports gambling legalized in their state for years, and so then residents could decide whether they want to bet on sports legally. Now here's a quick breakdown of what the ruling by the nation's highest court meant at that time. Passport was signed into law, as I said, by President George H.W. Bush in 1992, and it went into effect in January of 1993. Now, Nevada was the only state at the time that the bill became law with widespread state-sponsored sports bettors. Three other states with more limited betting were actually grandfathered in, Oregon, Delaware, and Montana. That That's just... The, Uh, sort of a meaningless trivia point. Now, PASPA didn't outlaw sports betting because it was already illegal. But rather, PASPA banned states outside those given exemptions from regulating and taxing sports betting. You hear the term regulated market, non-regulated market. You hear that term on the show. Despite PASPA's existence, the American Gaming Association estimates At least $150 billion a year was gambled on sports in the U.S., and 97% of that was bet illegally. Well, time flies, and three years have passed since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned PASPA, the federal ban on sports betting, and the industry has been absolutely booming. And before May 14th of 2018, when the Supreme Court handed down its decision, full-scale sports betting was limited, again, to Nevada. Today, it's legal in 27 states and the District of Columbia, which now covers 42% of the United States population. And if you want to reflect on what's been most impactful on the industry's success to date, and try to predict what's going to fuel its continued growth, a single word, convergence. Since Passport was struck down, Several factors from all the pro sports leagues acceptance to state regulation to technological and financial innovation. They've all converged to create this incredible thriving opportunity that we enjoy. If you don't believe me, here's a quick example. Let's take a look at the American Century Championship Celebrity Golf Tournament, who Charles Barkley boldly claimed he bet $100,000 on himself. Nothing illegal about that if you did it in a regulated market that he would finish in the top 70 because Caesar Sportsbook at William Hill, they offered a yes-no prop on whether Barkley would finish in the top 70. He's currently 77th. What's interesting is the odds opened up at plus 1,600, which means if you bet $100, you'd win 1,600. But it's been so heavily bet, the odds have come way down. Now, it's going to be fun to watch his tournament tomorrow to see if Barkley crawls under the 70. But there's so much more going on, and you wouldn't believe a couple of the things that took place in Vegas tonight, both of which you can bet on, and I'm going to tell you some of the things that happened and how bettors cashed in and some of the backstories that you probably haven't heard because our show hadn't aired yet tonight, but first... (laughs) Let's go to the man. Well, he is known for molly whopping the competition. It's Kevin Figures <laughs> with the latest.
0: Thank you, Bernie. Speaking of those big events in Vegas, we'll get you started there. The main event at UFC 264 went in favor of Dustin Poirier after an injury stoppage in the first round. Conor McGregor was stretchered out of the octagon after suffering a broken leg. Also taking place in Vegas, Team USA Basketball, its first exhibition matchup as they get ready for the Olympics. And they fall to Nigeria, 90-87, just the third exhibition loss since USA started using NBA players in 1992. And Major League Baseball, speaking of getting mollywopped, how about the Dodgers laying into Arizona 22-1. to Grand slams there for Justin Turner and Mookie Betts. Garrett Cole, a complete game shutout leading the Yankees over Houston 1-0. St. Louis over the Cubs 6-0. Wins for Cleveland, the White Sox, and San Francisco. Atlanta defeated Miami, but Ronald Acuna Jr. suffered a torn ACL and is out for the remainder of the season. In soccer, Argentina defeated Brazil for the the Copa America Championship. The U.S. will take on Haiti in the group stage of the Gold Cup on Sunday on FS1. England and Italy will score off for the Euro Cup today, or I should say Sunday at three Eastern. Back to Straight Out of Vegas.
1: Well, thanks, uh, Kevin, and welcome back to Straight Out of Vegas. You've been with us before. I love it. Yes, thanks. Pleasure buddy. to be with you. Good to have you. Remember, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of the first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. You heard Kevin talking about the UFC event tonight. Holy ravioli is all I can tell you. First of all, it's a heavily bet event. Sharp money came in big time on Dustin Poirier starting yesterday. Uh, many bets, $50,000 range, in Poyer was a 140 favorite. When the fight went off, uh, McGregor was a plus 110 underdog, meaning if you bet Poyer, you'd have to put up 140 to win 100, and if you bet McGregor, 100 would bring you back uh, $110. Well, the way the fight was scored, Poyer won by TKO, and there are prop bets that categorize if you don't win by a decision, they're lumped together. You can win by knockout, TKO, or DQ. And if you fall into one of those uh, categories and you happen to have Dustin Poirier, you cast it plus 190, which means a $100 bet would bring you back 190. There were other prop bets over under one and a half rounds, over under two and a half rounds. Uh, the reality of it is that if you saw the fight, and maybe, uh, you, you know, your 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 initial sort of impression was, well, wait a minute, uh, this thing, uh, you know, would have, McGregor might have won this thing if it would have continued. That's to the people I've talked to. I, from, what I, uh, from what I understand, and I saw the fight, but to the people who were there, let's face it, McGregor was getting mollywhopped, as Kevin would say. Poyer landed 35 or 36 shots to the head. The first round was scored 10 to 8. And what we are seeing is a situation where Dustin Poyer is simply a much more well-rounded martial arts, mixed martial arts athlete. Conor McGregor is one-dimensional. He stepped away from the sport in 2016 to take the big payday for with uh, with Floyd Mayweather for the boxing match. Who could blame him? It's life-changing money. But coming back and sort of taking his time coming back with a couple of announced retirements that everybody knew were complete baloney. He's just not the same in the sense that other fighters have passed him up or caught him with better, more precise techniques. And it's like anything else in life. You know, nature's got a law. Use it or lose it. And when when McGregor stepped away and took his time coming back, perhaps he'd lost some of his edge. But certainly, you have to give respect to the other fighters in the UFC who continue to get better. So the bottom line is that while there will be a narrative for folks who may have better rooted on uh, McGregor tonight that he may have won had he not had the injury, he was losing. He was getting dominated. He was getting beat pretty well. Now, will there be a rematch? There could be. I think it's probably a year away before we see a rematch. And there'll be a rematch from the standpoint of no matter what, Connor's going to bring gate. He's a crowd pleaser, he's a finisher, he's a showman, he's become a little obnoxious, but that's part of his game, and this is the fight game. This is still show business, okay, whether you like it or not. And I think the bottom line is people can never get enough of that. Society's been fascinated with gladiator sports since the beginning of time. So Conor McGregor is just what the doctor ordered. The problem is I don't think anybody believes he can beat Poyer. And it's now become a blood feud. It's I understand even while Connor was on the ground tonight holding his ankle, calling for a doctor, he was saying some pretty untoward things about uh, Dustin Poirier and his wife, from what I understand. That's just one of the many things you could bet here in Vegas tonight. Also, in case you missed it, in case you missed it, there was an exhibition game between Team USA, who's training for the Olympics, the USA Olympic team, and Nigeria. And yes, you could bet on that as well. Nigeria opened up as a 30-and-a-half-point underdog. Money came in on Nigeria. They closed it plus 27-and-a-half. And if you had the guts or the foresight or your Biff Tannen or you've been uh, smoking a lot of the devil's lettuce and you actually bet oh, – I can't even believe it. If you bet Nigeria on the money line, $100 would have brought back $2,500. $10 would have brought back 250 But why would you do that? But you would have won. Nigeria won ninety to eighty-seven, which is interesting, and I'll tell you why. Because yes, it was only an ex- exhibition game, even though you can bet on it. Uh, the United States Olympic team, since nineteen ninety-two, was fifty-four and two in exhibition games before tonight. Since nineteen ninety-two, I joked around with Arnie and Chris Plank that ah, maybe they were looking ahead to, to Australia Tuesday. Well, come to find out, this USA team actually lost to Australia. Back in 2019, 98, 94, and <laughs> I don't think there's such a thing as a good loss. Like they're going to learn from this. It's like saying there's a good kidney stone. I don't. I don't agree with that. However, I will say this: This is not new in the sense that in 1992, the real dream team, or the what has become the trademark dream team, with you know, Bird and Magic and and Michael Jordan and the whole crew. Well, they played an afternoon exhibition game against a college-select all-star team, including guys like Chris Weber and Bobby Hurley. And that college-select all-star team won by eight points, which sent the world in a tizzy. Well, obviously you saw what that dream team went on to do, and they won the gold. And this team's got some good players, okay? Uh, You've got Bam Amadeo and, and Bradley Beal and Draymond and Damian Lillard and let me not forget Kevin Garnett. But the world has changed. If you saw the game tonight, and I watched a lot of it, I got to, it, it, it. And uh, Nigeria is not considered a medal finalist, but they were good. They were athletic. They had a lot of length. They were 20 of full, uh, 42. Who do they think they are? The Phoenix Suns? They were 20 of 42 from behind three point arc. And, you know, they played a smart game. They're coached by Mike Brown. And. What this means to me is when the Olympics start for real, that while I do still think the USA team is the odds on favorite to win the gold, it's not a slam dunk, pun intended. It's not. They're going to really have to work for it. They've only had four practices, and they're going to come together, uh, probably to be better. But this is not something that they're going to throw, you know, roll the balls on the floor, go to Tokyo, and just win a gold. Uh, I, I just think they will, but... They may have some tough matches, and it'll be interesting to see. They actually open up against France on July 25th, and there'll be several exhibition games between now and again, now and then between uh, the United States and Australia a couple times. They play Ar- Argentina. I think they play Spain. Uh, but you can't look at tonight's game and completely dismiss it. At the, at the same time, you might not have even seen tonight's game. You might not have even known about tonight's game. Vegas is just blowing up. You you could have watched that game, you could have gone to that game, and then Las Vegas Aces played afterward, the WNBA team. You could have gone to the Conor McGregor fight. You could have gone to the Garth Brooks concert. You could have gone to the Bruno Mars concert. And on the way home, you could be listening to this show. And most of those things uh, you can actually bet on. And I haven't even gotten to the Home Run Derby, and I've even gotten to show Hey Otani, and I haven't even gotten to some of the odds for that. Probably talk about that tomorrow night while I'm with – Katina Mobley from 5-8 because yes, you can bet on the home run derby. Oh, what a shock. Shohei Otani plus 400. He's the favorite. And of course, Joey Gallo's in there and Pete Alonso and several other players. You can also bet on the game itself. So like I said, thanks to the overturning of PASPA and thanks to new legislation, you don't have to be in Las Vegas or Nevada to be living in a regulated market where you can bet legally, and there's going to be nothing but more and more opportunities. Choices and products as this legalized betting gold rush phenomenon Continues we anticipate there'll be as many I think 18 to 24 months from now as many as 45 states that will offer Legalized betting and regulated markets, so I guess you could say we're just getting started coming up You know me, you love me can't leave without them. It's Mackinac sports, so stick and stay I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Outta Vegas. Straight Outta Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Outta Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles tonight. That would be uh, Bo Benson and Chris Perfett, and Kevin Figures, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together so we can stay on the air and present this show to a grateful nation. All right, it's time. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Mackinac Sports, we do it this time of the show every week. And Mackenzie, before we get started, you got a quick shout-out for our guy Chewy in Houston.
2: That's right Chewy. Shout out to your best tugs. That tugs <laughs> life. You got you got to represent. A, you got you got to love a Tupac inspired handle that tug life. Represent, go Tugs, go Golden Knights. Let's get them next year. Nicely done. Only God can judge me, but that wasn't Tupac. That was only God can judge me. now. That, that's right. All right, but we can judge the Bucks and the Suns,
1: Mackenzie. And you know what's interesting? The Bucks, four and a half point favorites tomorrow, but I think we're both, uh, as Yogi Berra would say, have different similarities in our outlook on this. <laughs> we both, we both agree. The Suns continue to run great half court offense, but the Bucks do not. And as such, it raises the question: Are Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday actually better
2: without Giannis on the floor? Dare we say that? What a difference a week makes. One week ago, we were talking about, wow, the Milwaukee Bucks, it didn't look like they were going to have Giannis for a while. And they had just won back-to-back games without him, upsetting the Atlanta Hawks, who were favored to win that series once Giannis went down. So what a difference a week makes. Now, Giannis looks great. He just came off a 42-point night, only taking 22 shots, and Middleton and Holiday – I just had probably two of their worst games of the playoffs and I'll just lay out this question is it a coincidence that there are two games in the last two months that both holiday and Middleton played well at the same time and those happen to be the only two games this past couple months that Giannis wasn't on the court I got some data here but just I'll just ask you as you know eye test does it seem like the Bucks just have a different maybe more clunky more separated offense with Giannis back out there Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence.
1: I don't like this Giannis ball, hero ball, bully ball. Get out of the way. Everybody clear out. I'm just going to go downhill to the rim. Everybody just stand around and watch me. Suns don't have to play help defense. There's no
2: ball movement. He got 42 points, but they were empty points, McKenzie. I don't like it. And I don't think it's because Giannis is a ball hog. I just think there is a fundamental – Lack of, lack of decision-making that happens when you have a guy that has the ball that long. We've seen it with LeBron James over the years when you see that guy surveying the field. And this is a great example. Monty Williams, the Suns head coach, actually has this as a rule, has had it for the rule since he's been there. It's called the .5-second rule, meaning you get the ball, you have .5 seconds, you're either going to shoot, make a dribble to the drive, you're going to drive and try to score, or you're going to pass and keep moving. The Milwaukee Bucks have probably a five-second offense. If the Suns have a .5-second offense, the Bucks have a five-second offense. You get—it's not just Giannis. You see Middleton taking his time, surveying the field. Holiday one-on-one, taking his time, isoing. That probably the superior talent in the Bucks is losing to the superior team in a cohesive system where he says, doesn't matter who you are, you have .5 seconds, you make a decision, and you keep it going. That lack of indecision making is why their offense is so much smoother. And we've seen it. They've gone over their point total the last two games by a lot. I don't see that stopping. And I think the Suns have a chance, you know, with their inspiration to keep motivated to win games three and game four. I actually am looking at the plus 450 on a Suns sweep bet. What, what do you think, right? There? Just, you know, well, I feel initial like, impressions. What's your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think your analysis was spot on uh, in terms of
1: the mechanical breakdown of how these two teams have executed their game plan as it were i would say this milwaukee came into the nba finals as the number one defensive team in the nba and frankly they're getting picked apart they can't stop chris paul paul and booker have combined for 113 points in the first two games and mckenzie i talked about at the top of the show on the Suns' final position of the first half in Game 2, they made 10 passes. And Milwaukee, defend, Milwaukee defended nine of them, but it was the 10th one that got downloaded, DeAndre Ayton for an and-one, and that's all they had to show for it. So the issue here is, frankly, not Milwaukee's effort on defense, but I think their moribund offense, because of the way I just described uh, Giannis' is running the offense from the top of the key. They've got to make an adjustment
2: offensively. And offense runs into defense, and defense runs yes, into offense. Exactly. The, fa- the fact that people are standing around, and you see this in all levels of basketball. If you're standing around on offense, watching one or two guys operate, you're going to be that less glued in together. What you're doing on defense, people that are you know inspired and feel like involved and part of the system are gonna are gonna throw in that extra ten percent effort, that extra hustle play. I think I think it's all glued together and I think the fact that the Bucks have that clunky half court offense is kind of why they've been laxigaze lazy going on defense compared to their usual selves. I, I think they've given the effort. I just think Phoenix yeah. is that
1: good. I, I if somebody asked me the other day what are you seeing? Are you seeing, is Phoenix that good, or is Milwaukee just not that good? I said, no, 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 Milwaukee's good. Phoenix is just that good. And I haven't even picked a side for the game tomorrow yet, McKenzie, because I feel like Milwaukee's got an emotional win in the tomorrow, but I'm not hurrying to the window to lay the four points. But I'm not rushing to grab them either. I've actually already fired on the under a two twenty-two. Phoenix 20 of 40 from behind the arc, the other day and i just believe things regressed to the mean and while both games went over they had to sort of limp over the last minute or two i mean it took 127 second half last game uh, last week for the game to go over i don't f- i feel it's going to be more low scoring tomorrow and that could favor milwaukee i think they're cooked phoenix is minus 500
2: to win the series i won't rule anything out i just don't see a path for milwaukee to win Real quick, on the second, that is actually my best bet. The under oh, 222 tomorrow. When two games go over, game three go under 62% of the time. And let's factor in how young and inexperienced the young the Suns are. Chris Paul's going to take his time in the half court because they've never been in this situation before. I think it's a slower-paced, lower game. Under 222 is my best bet. But I also think you kind of lean – Toward the Suns, and you brought up a good point
1: about nine games without Giannis this year. The pair of Middleton and Holiday actually shot almost 10% better. Good stuff, McKenzie. Thank you, sir. All right. That's going to do it for tonight's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, Jason Martin. He comes from Knoxville, Nashville. Keep it locked.
0: Straight Out of Vegas!